on out, she has one valve in her heart that is not functioning right, and that's what we're watching. Um, when that gets worse, eventually as she grows, it just will. Um, then we start talking about either repairing it, which they've tried once before and it didn't work, or uh, doing a heart transplant. So it could be anywhere from next year to 15 years from now. We have no idea. You know, we had been receiving phone calls every hour while he was in surgery, telling us how he was doing. Mm -hmm. um, but the surgeon came in after about six hours and looked at us and said, you know, his heart function was great. Um, they had closed, he made it through surgery, but he said, I'm afraid to tell you, he's not gonna make it through the night. Um, he had severe lactic acid buildup um, and they were hoping that heart surgery would help relieve that and get some good oxygenated blood going through his system. But um, he was just afraid that he wouldn't make it through the night. And so um, sitting in my room was myself and my husband and our pastor. And I asked if I could go hold him. I had yet to hold him. Mm. And so we walked with the surgeon um, to the PICU. And as we rounded the corner, I could see a whole team of people around him trying to resuscitate him. And so we knew at that point that that we were losing him. Um, and I ran in that room and I can, looking back, I can see myself almost as if I was a fly on the wall. I can see everything happening in that room. Um, and the surgeon told them to just let him go and call time of death so that I could hold him. Knowing when to break through the boundaries of average to question the unquestionable is the sign of greatness. It's those moments when you get to the absurd stage that things truly get interesting. Now the world is in need of a new generation of leaders, leaders who have the courage to break through the boundaries and question everything around them. Well, society is yearning for bold and enthusiastic women and men to provide the necessary leadership that will be required for the next leap forward. The journey to get to the brink can be unpredictable, but knowing you're at the brink, pure genius, my friends. Today, we are on the brink of greatness. With the birth of a child in anybody's life is a big deal. I mean, it's, it's a tremendous deal and it's a life changer. And especially as you prepare and plan for that life, but what we don't always plan for is that when things don't quite go right, when they don't go the way we think they should, or something unexpected has happened that kind of derails the plans, that's a big problem. And when it comes to the birth of a child, I think that's significant. Today's story with these two women, they're extraordinary, aren't they, Kev? Absolutely. I mean, my dad always said that uh, when each child was born, of course, you always worry about counting their fingers and their toes just making sure they're okay. And it, with my granddaughter as an example, she, uh, they found out she had spina bifida early on, and that was something that all of a sudden just rocked our world for that day or two until we found out it wasn't as serious as was expected. Yeah. So these two women really have that courage to you know, handle uh, you know, a child defect and then go on with their lives and then go out and help others deal with such a, a challenging 
um, you know, life crisis, actually, and yeah. handle it with strength and faith. Well, these stories are going to inspire you today, friends, and I would like you to meet Leslie Schneider and Brittany Griffith. And we're going to start in, uh, really zone in a moment here with Leslie and her story, and we'll come back to Brittany's story just a bit later. And then we've got a unique piece to really bring this all together. It's going to be a special day here, a special uh, program. So, Leslie, uh, welcome here, and I would like to talk to you. What, what I call the brink of greatness is where we take uh, something in our life, a challenge, uh, an opportunity, uh, whatever the situation is, an event, something that happened uh, that we take back into our control and we do something with our life to really give back and help other people. I want to bring it back to your pregnancy and, uh, Leslie, uh, the, the birth of your daughter, um, mm -hmm. it, all the way back to the very beginning, because I want to get to the point of impact. What I call the point of impact is the moment when everything changed. It's the moment when you started asking a lot of questions. Why? How come? Why did this happen to us? Uh, and bring us back to the point of everything. You were pregnant now. Everything was going along well. And until what happened then? Okay, we were 20 weeks pregnant and did the regular 20-week ultrasound. And they couldn't get all the pictures they needed of her spine. So we came back four weeks later. The same thing happened to our firstborn. So I was not concerned at all. We came back at 24 weeks. And long story short, they found out that my baby girl only was, she was going to be born with just half of a heart. It's a condition called hypoplastic left heart syndrome. Um, and it is always fatal unless treated within a week after birth. Um, and we had never even heard of such a thing. Wow. So that was the moment. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you say, uh, this is very interesting, I did not know, but it's a half a heart. They literally call it that, Leslie, huh? Yes, yeah. yes. The left side of her heart is missing. Wow. And, and But now one can function. You say it can be fatal unless it's treated. So talk to us about uh, what do they do to, like as a young baby, what do they do to treat that so that you do live? Because as I understand it, at some point your daughter will need a heart transplant. Is that correct? Yes, um, in most cases. So she, for kids with this condition, they need three surgeries minimum. Okay. Um, so the first one for her happened at two days old, and the second one was at three months, and then the third one was just before she turned four. And then she has had several other procedures, but those were her open heart surgeries. Those were open heart surgeries then? Yes. And, and if a child doesn't have those, then it's going to be fatal? Yes. No question. And no what, question. What they do now, I got to ask you, because I, I know listeners are wondering. Now, how, talk, back to that first surgery, Leslie. Mm -hmm. Explain to us how they take this half a heart, and what do they do to prolong her life at that point? So the first surgery basically makes her heart continue to function as though it were in the womb still. Um, there's a special duct that stays open while babies are in the womb and their mothers are breathing for them. And that duct closes in babies when they start using their own lungs outside of the womb. Um, so they went in and basically fixed her heart so it would stay working like it was in the womb until she got bigger and could handle the second surgery, which takes... So a normal body, the blood goes heart, body, heart, lungs in that order. Mm -hmm. And hers, through the second and third surgery, they rerouted her circulation so that now her blood goes heart, body, lungs, bypassing the heart between 
when it's out in the limbs and comes back for oxygen. That is incredible, Leslie. It really and, is. I mean, that just really blows my mind. I have to ask you, do you have any idea as to when or at what point that surgery became a known uh, remedy for this problem? What I'm wondering is, I always think in these terms, Leslie, timing is everything in our lives. And yes. I'm wondering, you know, because I'm sure there were a lot of uh, babies that were born that never made it that maybe didn't have this uh, you know, this answer to be able to rectify mm -hmm. the problem. Am I right or wrong? Or when did that happen? When did this procedure become a procedure? They used to do all three surgeries in one go. Okay. And that was never or almost never successful because the bodies couldn't handle such a change in their circulation. So I believe the oldest person with my daughter's condition is about mm, late thirties, maybe 40 by now. Wow. Um, and of course, medicine advances so quickly exactly. that when she was born, we were told she had a 50-50 chance of making it to her fifth birthday. And now I think the statistics are more like 75% making it to her for, to wow. their fifth birthday. How old, how old is she now? She's five. Uh, five years old. And yeah. there was a 50-50 chance and it was it's 75% now, they say, huh? I think so. Yep. Yeah. And so it gets better and better and better. What... Let's stay right now when this happens. I, I want to come back to this news. I want to stay right there a moment, Leslie. When mm -hmm. this happened with you and your husband now, right? Mm -hmm. And you get this news. Tell me, because only you can speak about this. What goes through one's mind when you're at this moment and you realize what the stakes are? What goes through your mind and how, do, and at what, I'm, I just, I'm wondering when you put it into overdrive. I'm, I'm curious to the kinds of questions you would ask yourself, you and your husband. And then at what point we talk about when you really put it into overdrive and said, we're going to beat this thing. But what, what was that like going through that experience early on? Yeah, so many emotions. Um, we found out on a Monday morning well, we found out on a Friday that something was wrong, but we didn't know what. Mm -hmm. And so that next Monday, we found out her diagnosis. And at least for me, I don't know about other moms, but I always knew there was a possibility that something could be wrong with me, but I never considered something being wrong with the baby. I don't know why, because I, now I know that's a huge possibility, but I felt hmm. like even though I had done everything right, this horrible news as far as we knew, it was the worst heart defect a child could have mm -hmm. was happening to us for no known reason. So you blamed yourself. You blamed yourself. A little bit, even though I knew I didn't actually do anything wrong. Right. It's just like a mom's instinct to want right. to protect her kid, and I didn't do that. Well, you probably went through in your mind and wondered, what else could I have done differently, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah, yes. I would think, yeah. And you probably even said that to some professionals who probably told you you couldn't have done anything different, right? Right, yep. Yeah, I would think, yeah. And so and within all of this and you and your husband now dealing with this trauma, um, so from the birth to that first surgery, which was in how far time again from the birth from to the first two surgery? Two days. Two, wow, two days. Okay. Yeah. So now the, the baby's in there, your daughter's in there having the surgery. You're praying that it all's working out. The doctors are uh -huh. doing everything they can. You're asking all the right questions. Now you get through that chapter. What happens next? Get through. We spent four weeks in the hospital. Um, we came home and they said her body will tell us when she's ready for the next surgery. 
So we came home on, I think, five different medications. She had a G-tube because she couldn't eat by mouth. Her vocal cords were paralyzed in the first surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was on oxygen. So I have this newborn who has all these things attached to her at all times. Um, At home. And At home, yep. And I was feeding her every three hours through the G-tube. And she had all kinds of issues with that. And Mm -hmm. then at three months old... She had a episode where all of her color drained from her body. So it was, she turned gray is the best way I can think to describe mm. it. Um, she was awake and playing, but she turned gray. And I checked her oxygen and it was down to 65%. And her mm. heart rate was 220 beats a minute. And so I called the hospital and they life flighted us there that day. Yeah. Um, six hours away driving, 45 minutes by airplane. So... Um, and then we kind of dealt with the second surgery and in other words, that was the telltale sign that it was time. That was it. Yep. She was dramatic about it. She was dramatic. And how old was she then, please? Three months. Three months old. Now. All right. So from three months old now, Leslie, to five years old now, describe to us this young lady now, what is she like? What's going on? I'm I'm very curious now at five because now she's got... I mean, she's got a clear personality. She's she's a oh, person. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. She is as feisty as they come. <laughs> she has to hold her own with her two brothers, one older, one younger. Okay. Um, and she does that very well. She is spunky. She's not afraid of anything. She's our little daredevil, even though that scares me because of some of the medication she's taking. We describe her as a light. She's our little light that lights up the room every time she enters. Yeah, and so uh, that the way you describe that is very, very interesting. I can see now. Isn't it funny though, Leslie? It's always unique to me how kids are can be fearless, and they yes. have. It's just mind. I, I don't know. There's something. I mean, they're just like they're they're like little Wonder Women and Superman. You know. Yep. They have. Just think about. It. They have no fear at all because for some reason they don't think about consequence. They just exactly. go out and do it. There's a lot to that, Kev. And I think as adults, we hold ourselves back because we think too much. You know, we overthink everything, Kevin, right? Exactly. I know, we, don't, I know. we have this life experience that says, okay, don't do that or something. You'll get burned. Well, no. And, and we, always, we always, that's right. That's right. And we always, you know, I always say this, Leslie, too. We kind of beat the creativity out of the kids by always telling them, no, they can't do it. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. It's all they hear is no. By the time they get to 10, that's all they know is that. You know, it's kind of silly, isn't it? You know? Uh, yep. What I'm saying is creativity and innovation start when are young. It's really a child's program. You know, it's a child's life, you know. And yep. it's that fearless attitude that we can do anything, that we can be this, that we can be that. So now she's five. She's now this fearless young lady. And, and, and again, tell us again, her name is, you pronounce it Lexi? Alexis. Alexis. Alexis, or we call her Lexi. Lexi. Ah, I see Lexi in here. Cool, cool. Yep. But it's Alexis. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, like, wasn't that the famous star on Dynasty or something, Leslie? Wasn't it Alexis or something? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I couldn't tell I you. So. Well, I, I was going to say so. we might be dating ourselves or something, but I think there was a show there at some point there. But, um, yeah. right, Kev? I, well, you, yeah, you, there was. I'm old, too. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm still young. I'm still hanging on to my youth. But, uh, all right. So, Leslie, so at this point now at five, so talk to me now at five years old. She's this spunky young woman who is really, like you said, testing everything and living life. And But what happens next now? Bring us forward now. Tell us what's the next thing that's going to happen here. Okay. So actually we just, she is 
Currently, as we speak with her daddy driving home from the hospital, she spent two nights there for an episode of her heart. Um, it was beating fast, and she said it was really uncomfortable, so we took her in, and it bought us a two-night stay in the hospital. And this is something that started about a month ago, and she um, she's just recently been able to articulate when something feels weird. I was just going to ask you. She knows yep. enough now to tell you, right? Yep, exactly. Oh, that's so awesome. from here on out, she has one valve in her heart that is not functioning right, and that's what we're watching um, when that gets worse, eventually as she grows, it just will. Um, then we start talking about either repairing it, which they've tried once before and it didn't work, or uh, doing a heart transplant. So it could be anywhere from next year to 15 years from now. We have no idea. Um, the Again, she'll have to guess. tell you. The situation will have to tell you, right? I mean, she'll yep, have to tell you. Right. Exactly. So, so they don't go in as a preventive thing. It has to be right in front of them to know that. Yes. She is not sick enough right now to uh, require one. So yeah. we're not even not even going there yet. But that's got to be that's got to be nerve wracking. So does Lexi you. communicate? Like, can she speak and listen and oh, like, yeah. developmentally? Yeah. Oh yes, she is completely normal developmentally. <laughs> Right, right. But, Leslie, that has, again, as I say, it's got to be nerve-wracking. I mean, for you as a mom, it's got to be oh, crazy. it is. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. it's very challenging some days to, to yes. remember that she's so different, even though if you didn't know about her heart condition, you wouldn't know about it, just the way she acts. But we get these reminders every once in a that while. That is awesome to hear that. Now, will she go to school as well, regular school and all that? Or will yes, it be? she yeah. actually started kindergarten this year. At a school, at a regular school? Yes. Okay, yep. but now I, I was wondering because I almost thought for a moment you might be homeschooling or something like that. You know, with the, we and, do half. So two days a week are homeschool and uh, two days a week are regular school. See, that makes sense to me, and that's actually a great strategy. I like what you're doing there because yeah, it, we it love get, it. yeah, it gets her out there and keeps the balance of everything where it needs to be. Um, how do you now? So you do you in your in your own heart of hearts now, Leslie? Do you think mm -hmm. it's going to end up being a heart transplant at some point? I do. I do. You do. I'd say within five years. That's my gut feeling. Within five years. Yes. Uh, that that will be uh, that it will be a heart transplant of some sort will have to happen, huh? Yes. Okay. All right. All right, Leslie. I I I just want you to know that we are all rooting for you here, and your story just touches me. It touches me in my heart. I mean, like I can't even tell you how much. Um, having children myself and, and having gone through, you know, not something like this, but my own health experiences, I, I understand the value. Again, life is, uh, is it's precious. It's something we need to all just understand the gravity of this and value our lives. Absolutely. And, yeah, it's amazing. But, yeah. Th does it help you appreciate life more and have more mm, gratitude? It's a good question. It does. And we, as a couple, have really been able to kind of let go of control a little bit because all of this is so out of our control. We just have to trust that God has her and yeah. whatever is going to happen is going to happen no matter what we do or say. And yes. he has it under control. And it's been a really hard lesson, but a really good life lesson. Yeah. You know, I was, I mean, Malcolm knows this and you know, my wife was a pancreatic cancer survivor. And as she was going through the surgery and when she recovered, you know, it was like at that point in time, you appreciated life so much more that every moment meant something, you know, specific and special that you were so grateful just for the time that you were with him, you know, with them at that time that you really didn't worry about the future because you were so grateful that you've had him for, say, three years, 
five years, 10 years. Mm -hmm. I, I was reading uh, an article about you, and one of the things that you mentioned was you don't know why God chose you for mm -hmm. Lexi, or Lexi chose, you know, the, you, you guys as a family. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you, what do you think about that in terms of God and his, you know, what, and this plan that he has for, for you and your daughter? I think I know why she's here. I know she's here to reach other people and to just show them that no matter how hard it gets, she, he's there mm -hmm. and he will get them through even when it's crummy and there's pain and there's suffering and boredom. He's always there. I'm, I'm just surprised that he chose us as her family because I don't feel worthy of her. Um, mm -hmm. But I know she's going to do amazing things, and I can't wait to see what they are. Amazing things. You know, faith is a big part of these stories. Faith is a big part of Leslie, your story thus far, but it's a big part of a lot of Brink stories, actually. Uh, mm -hmm. Faith is a, it's a driving mechanism in us, and it's a principle to be able to grab onto that faith and really hold on to that. Next up, we're going to pause here a moment, and next up, um, there's a unique story between Leslie Schneider and Brittany Griffith, uh, and we're going to introduce next Brittany Griffith, and then Leslie and Brittany both will be back in our... And, and at that time, I want to talk about the amazing things they're doing because they have a fantastic foundation and, and some other things that they are collaborating on that I, I want to get out there and I want you to know about in a big, big way. So as we pause here, uh, I want to remind everybody a couple of thoughts here. The Brink of Greatness, this show, a brand new episode comes to you every weekend, friends, at 9 a.m., Eastern Standard Time. You can hear this anywhere in the world, 9 a.m. EST on America Out Loud Talk Radio is where you'll get the newest show. Now, you can get our apps on Apple or Android. If you don't have the app, just go to the Apple Store or any of the Android Store and the Google Store and just go America Out Loud Talk Radio or go to the front page of americaoutloud.com and you'll see two icons up there for the Apple and Android. Just click that. It'll put you right in the store. Get the app and then you're in and you can listen to all this programming It's uh, uh, as well. All of our shows at the brink of greatness go to the on-demand podcast world on all the podcast networks worldwide. Every Monday is Podcast Monday here at the brink of greatness. All of the great stories you can get back at brinkofgreatness.com, thebrinkofgreatness.com. It's an amazing place, amazing people. We celebrate the good of humanity here. We celebrate all the positive things that are happening out there in the world, people who are making a difference, people who are on the front lines making it happen. Brinkofgreatness.com, friends, is where you'll find a whole lot of those stories and a lot of written stories. We have a lot of stories you can read there and get impassioned and inspired and make a difference in your own lives. I encourage you to get involved, as well as when you hear Leslie and Brittany's story today, to get involved in the foundation and help all of these amazing people that are doing amazing things on the planet here. So we'll pause right now. We'll be back just a moment with more of The Brink of Greatness. Our goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world, to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. 
with 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'd like you to meet next here, please, Brittany Griffith. As we just spoke to Leslie in the first segment of our program today, Brittany and Leslie have become good friends, and they are on a passion and a mission together. Brittany also had a, a, a real problem with her son, Liam, who was born and uh, had a major health problem. What's interesting about this is the path is a different path, and the outcome is a different outcome as uh, Brittany and uh, her family lost her son uh, at birth. Brittany, I want to bring it back to the point of impact, please, where those questions you begin to ask yourself and when you're in the hospital and what took place, please, with your son and what, what, what actually happened there in the hospital? Uh, well, he was born on May 17th, 2015, and we knew from a ultrasound at 20 weeks that he was going to be born with critical congenital heart defects. He had multiple um, issues with his heart. Um, so we had a team in place uh, when he was born um, because we knew he would need surgery pretty quickly. Um, he actually came a little quicker than we had hoped. And, um, and he also had more critical needs than what we had anticipated from ultrasounds. Um, so within the 21 hours after he was born, um, we were given multiple diagnosis. Um, they called in the heart surgeon and he was whisked away. Um, he was in surgery for about six hours. And I think the moment for us was, you know, we had been receiving phone calls every hour while he was in surgery telling us how he was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but the surgeon came in after about six hours and looked at us and said, you know, his heart function was great. Um, they had closed. He made it through surgery. But he said, I'm afraid to tell you he's not going to make it through the night. Um, he had severe lactic acid buildup. Um, and they were hoping that heart surgery would help relieve that and get some good oxygenated blood going through his system. But um, he was just afraid that he wouldn't make it through the night. And so... Um, Sitting in my room was myself and my husband and our pastor, and I asked if I could go hold him. I had yet to hold him. Mm. And so we walked with the surgeon um, to the PICU, and as we rounded the corner, I could see a whole team of people around him trying to resuscitate him. And so we knew at that point that, that we were losing him. Um, and I ran in that room, and I can... Looking back, I can see myself almost as if I was a fly on the wall. I can see everything happening in that room. Um, and the surgeon told them to just let him go and call time of death so that I could hold him. I am, uh, I am uh, stunned here, uh, Brittany, actually, with that uh, message and uh, uh, myself. And, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> So uh, at that uh, moment, uh, when you're in there with your child and you're you're uh, holding them, and uh, I can only imagine—it's uh, about impossible to imagine what goes through your mind. I mean, I don't think anybody can really speak 
through the experience of the loss of a child unless you've gone through it, Brittany, huh? Right. Yeah. Tell us, how has it changed your life? And I want to know more about what's happened since then. And do you have other children, Brittany? I do. Um, I have a two-year-old, Clara, um, who was born about 18 months after Liam um, passed away. So this was um, a child after Liam then? I have a child after Liam. Liam was my first. Right. So this was a, so that had to be something unique. I mean, yeah. you had to be panicked to go through this again, no? It, it was very difficult. Um, I mean, sitting in that hospital room after Liam passed, I didn't know that I could ever do this again. Um, you know, so many questions of why and questioning, like Leslie said myself, you know, what could I have done differently? Um, and there were many months after Liam passed that, that we did not know. I knew I wanted children, but I did not know that I could put myself through that again. Exactly. Um, and, and we finally decided to have faith and, um, and now we have this beautiful little girl that I wouldn't change anything. You wouldn't trade for it. And she's how old now? She's two. Two years old, Brittany. And that's your, your only one, right? Right now? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are there plans for you and your husband? Will you have more or will that be it? No, I think, I think there will be more in our future. Um, but again, that's a very scary thing um, to yeah. think about. So how does one, how does one go through that and position themselves to, I mean, what comes to my mind, Brittany, is just pure bravery, coverage, bravery, going through this, this earth shattering moment of your life and the loss of this child. How do you get the courage again and the bravery behind yourselves to say, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to have another child. And obviously, you were afraid of another defect or something, I can imagine. Or yes. were you? I would have to think, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Very. I would be myself, so I would think you would be, right? Yeah? Uh, yes. And and that has to play the fear factor and all of that has to play a lot. Going through the pregnancy the second time around and all, now this time, um, was you? how did you manage all that, Brittany? Well, I mean, I'm thinking of you as a young woman and psychologically what you had to endure had to be incredible. I think when you hit rock bottom and you're just in the depths of suffering, you have two choices to let it drown you or to rise up and um, overcome. And that was the choice my husband and I made. Um, we didn't want to wallow in this grief. I mean, we'll, we'll always have this grief with us, mm -hmm. but we needed to overcome that. And we surrounded ourselves with people who were so encouraging and doctors who were so helpful um, to keep my mind at ease as best they could throughout the, my second pregnancy, mm -hmm. but also our faith. Um, Talk to, I want to really discuss the faith with you if, you, if I could please, for just a couple of moments, okay? Some okay. people that go through something like that in their life, their faith gets rattled to the point that they then say, I mean, they actually go out of their way to give God hell. And they give God, I mean, they talk, and I've seen people before dis, disengage, or they become, I mean, they completely disengage from God, or disengage from their faith, and question is to, why did you do this to us? And, you know, they hold him responsible, in other words, for things that happen. How did you prevent that from happening? Or, or how could you? I mean, what was that like? Well, I mean, to be honest, there was lots of questioning. Um, you know, how could you do this? Why would you do this? I've always been faithful. Um, and it, it just had to be 
something that I I switched off and I decided I was going to thank God for those beautiful 21 hours I got with Liam um, and started to see the ways that Liam had changed my life. And, you know, I won't know in this earthly life what God's plans were for me, but there was there was a purpose for Liam. I know that. Mm. Um, and I just needed to live for that. And I had things that I did. I, I uh, taped up Romans 5 um, on my mirror every morning and would read it to myself, um, just knowing that I was going to rejoice in the suffering and it was going to produce endurance and hope in me. And I just... And that's Romans 5 right there. That's, yes. Yeah. Um, and that that mm-hmm. is, I would read it every mm-hmm. single morning and that was my mission every day was I have this great hope mm-hmm. and how can I celebrate within this the suffering and look for the good that we had from Liam and yeah, and how it's going to impact us for the rest of our life. Everything you said, I mean, you you about lined it up so perfectly so far. Um, I mean, this is a, a pretty new platform and a, and, a, and a vibrant new show. But I have to tell you, uh, Brink, the Brink Thinkers and the process of Brink of Greatness is something that's been in my heart in my life for many years, Brittany, okay? And doing the things we want to do around the world with this platform and reaching people and doing awesome work is important. But the way you just described it a moment ago, as to you, you said, and I'm going to, when I play this back and listen, I'm going to write that down and quote that from you because you just said, instead of wallowing in pity, I know you said that, we decided to take the high road and make, take matters into our own hands and be a positive force out there. That is, by definition, the purpose of the brink of greatness, which you define so well, Brittany. But uh, you know what I think is there's always a moment in your life when you're going through a tragedy like my wife did for pancreatic cancer because she was at that moment of why me? You know, and she went and she actually went and prayed and all of a sudden she received that feeling that everything was okay and and not to worry. And from that point on where she was kind of like down on her knees thinking what's going to happen next or what should I do? She just said, that fear went away and she just kind of moved on with her life. And she says, no reason to wallow, to look in the past. Let's look forward. And I think that's exactly what Brittany did is just this. You, you have to stop and hit that brink moment or that moment of impact where you have to say, I've had enough. Let's move forward and, and, and take handle this appropriately, which they are. They're victors. Well, you just said it, Kevin, that brink moment. you, you got to get, you're right, you got to get to that brink moment. And the brink moment now, to remind everybody, it's when you've questioned everything. As you know, Kevin, it's, it's all these questions we have in our minds. It's almost like, and I bet you when I say this to Leslie and Brittany, they all understand what I mean. It's when you get to a point of your life where something has happened, like in these cases here, and you're questioning everything back and forth, and you get to what I call, ladies, the absurd moment. It's the absurdity stage, you see? And at the absurdity stage is when it really feels a bit absurd, when it's like you're asking all these questions, you're wondering why you, I mean, it can't be you, and why is this happening? And you're questioning everything. You're questioning your faith. You're questioning everything that's happened. That's the point where you get to the point of impact, where you then begin to draw out the strength to become... You see, what happens at that point, ladies, is you either withdraw, and what you said so well, Brittany, a moment ago, you wallow in self-pity, and you become part of the problem or part of the issue, or you never really further yourself forward, or you embrace it, 
and you say, I'm going to do the best I can, there has to be purpose to this. There has to be purpose to Alexis's life. There has to be purpose to Liam's life. There has to be purpose to what we're doing here. There just has to be, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You better believe it. And that's what you're doing, and that's why I, I commend both of you. So now here's what we're going to do, uh, friends. Now, this is the part where I really wanted to get to now, because now these ladies, these two powerhouse women, uh, Leslie Schneider and Brittany Griffith, are doing truly amazing things out there with their lives. And they've kind of combined, and I want to get to the, I don't know the whole story here, but we're going to find out in a moment. So I'll find out as you find out there. And we'll find out together how they joined forces, what the plan is ahead, what they're doing, why, how they're going to impact things, and how we all can potentially participate in their vision ahead. Well, I'm looking forward to this next chapter here, friends. Stay right there. We'll be back with more Brink of Greatness in just a moment. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. We are back, friends, on the brink of greatness today. And these stories, I I'll tell you, this show is so rewarding. This platform is incredibly rewarding. And it's, it's really a gift that we can bring these stories to you. This is the highlight of everything I do, by the way, is the brink of greatness. You know, as a commentator out there, as a political news guy, and many of the things I do on the network, friends, as you know me out there, this is the highlight for me right now. These stories right here. Nothing is like, this is, this is uh, really becomes a trip for all of us to be able to bring these great stories and talk about the brink of greatness. There's a lot of good stuff that's happening out there on the planet. There's a lot of positive things in humanity. We're just not hearing about them on the 6 o'clock news people. That's why the, the purpose of this platform is so key and so vital to get the voices and the vision of a Leslie Schneider and Brittany Griffith out there. So you've heard both stories now. And whether you're hearing this on our podcast networks or on our talk radio network, you're hearing the stories of Leslie Schneider and Brittany Griffith. And ladies, here's the thing. So in some kind of way myself, I look at your stories as sort of, I always come to think, I always, my vision, I always love that poem with Robert Frost with the path, you know, the two paths, you know, that you come to, mm -hmm. you have to make a decision in your life, right? And I love that poem and I love the whole story of where we get to the point of our life and we have to make a decision, we have to choose, now, you both got to the point of your lives and you had to make a decision, and this decision was going to be to help each other. First of all, tell me, how did you meet each other? How did you join forces? Then let's talk about the foundation. But how did your paths come together? And, and, and I'd, like to, I'd like to start and, and ask, I'm going to go right to Brittany first, Brittany, please, and tell us, how did you meet, you and Leslie meet? 
And what happened? Well, just a few weeks after Liam passed, um, I received an email that there was going to be a congenital heart walk in Albuquerque. Um, and I told my husband, I want to do it. Let's form a team. And this would be our way since we didn't have birthdays and first, you know, of, of anything with Liam, this would be our way to honor him. Um, so we went out there and I met Leslie and found out that Leslie was actually the one that put it together and, and brought it. And so we were so thankful um, that we had this event um, that she brought to, to our hometown. Unbelievable. Leslie, you meet Brittany now. You see what she went through. You put this whole thing together. What goes through your mind as you now have this meeting of it, as it, the culmination of this as it happened? Yeah, we were basically instant friends. I think we met once in a parking lot to exchange some items for our raffle. And it was immediate friendship. Um, kindred spirits, maybe, because, I don't know, we have similar personalities, and we just got along really well. Um, and we just made a great team for the subsequent years of the Heart Walk. What was the name of the program you first put together? What was it called, Leslie? Um, it was through a national organization called Congenital Heart Walk. Okay. And, and you put it together, the plan to get the walk out there in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I did, yes. I contacted the national people and asked if I could do one here. How many people participated in that walk that day? I think it was about 100 or okay. so, maybe a little bit more. Okay. And you actually walked, how, what, tell me the, the logistics of it. How far did you walk and what was the plan and what did you raise and what was the game plan? It was just a mile walk around one of the basketball arenas we have in town. So we just did two laps and we had balloons and we had activities for the kids and basically it was just to spread awareness and give people who were going through a heart defect diagnosis a place to come and celebrate their heart warrior or their angel don't don't you find you meet some of the most unique people who have gone through these experiences in life leslie absolutely it's one of my greatest joys is being around other heart families. Yeah, because you're 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 really getting it. I mean, it's live, it's real, it's life, it's it's everything that's important about planet Earth. When you talk about the right, what we're talking about right now. I mean, what else really matters but the gift of life, right? Yes. I mean, think about it. So, Leslie, take now. Let's make the leap forward now. Now, let's because this gets really exciting now. Talk to me about how you and Brittany came together with the foundation and what, what, when did, from that walk now, what happened with the friendship? What happened with this and the foundation? Tell me what's going on. So we did the walk for three years and then the national organization decided they had to cut back on some of their walks. So Albuquerque was one of the ones that was cut and we were devastated because that kind of gathering was so healing and cathartic for all of us. So Brittany and I talked not long after we got the notice and she basically said, I want to start a, start a nonprofit. Are you with me? I said, absolutely. Let's do it. So we met at uh, Chick-fil-A and our kids played and we formed a nonprofit idea right there. Uh, that meeting you had at that Chick-fil-A, do you have a photograph of that? 
We don't. Oh, I would have loved to have seen the photo. I wanted to have the photograph of the post because it sounds, I mean, I like that. I'm meeting at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> what better place than to have a, right? I'm meeting at Chick-fil-A. That's, That's right. good. Yep. Uh, so, Especially if they were in cow outfits or, you know, for the, for the free food day. <laughs> oh, come on, Kevin. Oh, that's great. That's great. You know, you say that. People do that. They dress up and they go in. You're, you're right, Kevin, with those cow outfits, you know. My uh, grandchildren do that. Exactly. Oh, I know. My son did it with my dog, my little Chinese yeah. crested. He dressed him up. and I said, get out of here. He dressed him up in the cow outfit to get in to get some chicken, you know. What what happens now with this? Uh, the idea that you wanted to create this non uh, this uh, not for profit. What what you what did you want to do, and what happened next? Boy, we moved fast. Um, we just wanted something that was specific to our state. What we had been doing with the walk, we were raising money and awareness, um, but it wasn't really affecting the families here in New Mexico. So we wrote a mission that we were going to provide support to the children's and families affected by congenital heart defects within our state. Um, and we would provide financial assistance, community resources and education, and, and just that emotional support for these families as they go through from the diagnosis on. Um, and so we found a, a really great board um, and just started rocking and rolling from there. You, you mean a board of directors, you mean? Correct. Yeah. And, and uh, how, how many are on the board? I'm curious. How many? Currently, we have six. Six, okay. Yeah, usually you don't get those too big, right? They keep them smaller and more, more nimble, right. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it a 501c3? It is. It is, okay. And it takes time to get those papers in and file all that, doesn't it? It, it did, but we, um, I mean, it, it felt like forever while we were waiting, but mm -hmm. we were actually official in February, and we had really started the process in December. Um, so, so by February, you had it back from them? We well, That's it got amazing. lost in the mail. But <laughs> um, if you look at the paperwork, it was official in February of 2000. That's amazing to me because the feds don't move too quickly with that stuff, you know. It, I it, guess if you have it all put together, you you can make it happen. Well, good because when I need to do mine, I'll come to you two then to do it. How's that? <laughs> because I hear war stories from people that they're supposed to have it. I think within six months, but a lot of people don't get it back timely. And anyways, it gets very strange, very political. So, uh, so you you have the now this the, so the foundation. Uh, give us the name of it, please. It's called Lexium Heart Foundation. Lexium, and tell us what Lexium stands for. Well, we took um, Leslie's daughter, Lexi, and my son, Liam, and put their names together um, just really to highlight the two sides of congenital heart defects. The warrior that Lexi is um, going through everything that she does with her congenital heart defect and, and Liam, who lost his fight way too soon. Um, and, and that is the case for about 25% of those diagnosed with critical heart defects. Yeah. Isn't this really all about uh, the need of what you're doing here? And I, I'm going to assume, and Leslie, I don't know, but I'm going to ask you this. Within, you know, uh, what comes to my mind is awareness. You've got to have awareness with problems like this to be able to be effective, okay? Right? Got to have awareness. Yes. All right. Absolutely. In order to have awareness, it also takes money, and you've got to have money to be able to do things and so on and so forth to get the awareness out there and do the things you want to do. But also, if... If, if we're going to have success about this to save the children in the future, it, it has to come down, ladies, I think, to the advancement in medicine. And Leslie, talk about that a moment for me, the advancement of medicine. And it, how, I mean, is that well, I don't know what the prime principles of the not for profit is, but how does that fit into this? And 
it, it, do you understand my point of that? I do. Yeah. So our actual mission is to be family focused rather than research focused. Um, although all of us families, every time we get together, talk about what may be coming up in the future for our kids technology wise. Um, we've seen some research studies where they're trying to grow human hearts out of people's very own stem cells so that there's not rejection issues when they get the transplant. Um, there's mechanical heart pumps that are working so well that people actually can be sort of disqualified from getting a heart transplant once they're on this machine because it works so well. So it's we focus on the family's travel expenses and medical expenses because New Mexico is such a rural state um, comparatively. Almost, I'm not going to say all, but a lot of families have to travel out of state to get their care or they have to come from rural parts of New Mexico to Albuquerque to get their care because there's no other options. And that can get real expensive real fast. So what are you trying to do with that? We just, people contact us and when they need help getting, for example, we helped a family fly. Mom was able to fly to California with her daughter, but dad wasn't allowed to go. Um, their insurance wouldn't cover dad going. So we helped dad get out to California so he could be with his wife and daughter during her surgery and recovery. So things like that is how we help. So you're doing stuff like, you're doing real stuff then to help people along this journey. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yes. And and how do people help you with the, how do you raise money and do the, because it takes money to do all this. It does take money. And right now we're strictly fundraising. Um, we have no big sponsors, no grants, nothing like that. So we just, family and friends and other people who hear about our foundation is all we're getting right now. So you've, so it's about fundraising. Uh, yep. So tell us, uh, Brittany, some of the things you're doing in, to, when, when it comes to what Leslie's saying about fundraising. How are you doing that? Um, well, we just partnered with Heart Heroes, Inc. Um, to have a superhero heart run in Albuquerque. It was a lot of fun. It was actually last weekend. Everybody got a cape and dressed up in their favorite superhero costumes and came out and ran a 5K or walked um, for their their team or their heart warriors. Um, and we raised money from that. Uh, we There's a pie auction going on today. Um, we had a launch party um, back in July, June of this year um, where we officially launched the nonprofit and had people come out to learn about our organization and raised some money through silent auction at that. I mean, what is truly incredible is now, Kevin, is to be able to, what I'm hearing from Leslie and Brittany is that, I mean, it's a, it's a perfect situation where they're taking their life experiences. They're taking what they've gone through on a very personal, personal, personal level. I mean, it doesn't get any more personal than this. Do you all have a website that, uh, for the foundation? What, what is that? Uh? It's www.lexiumheartfoundation.org. Lexiumheartfoundation.org, right? Yes. Okay. And that's the site where, and there's people can donate there? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I hope that people will consider, what's an average donation you might get on the site? $50. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, every $50 counts, right? Oh, absolutely. 
yeah. everything helps. So it's important for everybody to hear that. So l listen to what's happened. So $20, $50, $100, you know, these are small dollars to a lot of people, but they add up being a big deal to somebody's life when you're going to impact them in some significant way. How do you decide and choose where to put the effort in the energy? I assume that both of you make that decision, or do you go to the board for those decisions, or how does that work? It's a board vote. Um, we do have a support intake form, um, and we get letters from these children's cardiologists um, or surgeons letting us know that they do have this need, and then we vote as a board uh, to help the family. Now, the other people that are on the board, are they family members or, or strangers or people in a, a specific uh, area of life, or who are they? Uh, it's a little bit of, of both. We do have um, two other board members that have a son with heart defects. We have a, a nurse that um, works in the NICU with a lot of these families, and then we have just another um, lady who is actually on the eastern side of our state, um, helping us kind of reach those families on that side of the state. Is everything tied to the state of New Mexico that you're doing, or has it gone beyond the borders at this point? We are exclusively in New Mexico at the moment with grand plans of expanding once we have the fund. Our vision is for anybody in the United States who needs help getting to their child's doctor's appointments or care um, related to their heart condition to be able to reach us and we have funds to help them get there and meet those needs. Um, my husband and I are very blessed in that our jobs are flexible and our bosses are flexible with how much time we take off and that is not the case for so many people um, and not just in New Mexico but the whole country. So we've actually been reached by a family in Boston who needed help but because we are limited in funds right now we weren't able to help them and our dream is to be able to help anybody and that's got to be tough when you tell them you can't do it huh absolutely I mean that's got to really be tough I don't know how you do that I mean when you know you want to do it right yes I would love a scholarship fund for these kiddos um, as Leslie mentioned technology and medicine has expanded and is changing rapidly and these kiddos that you know that the diagnosis used to mean they wouldn't live till, till their 18th birthday but now they are um, but the families are putting so much money into medical care for the kiddos that putting away for college isn't something they can readily do so I would love at some point to have a scholarship program that we could help these kiddos go to college that that seems like a natural fit, Brittany. That that just seems like that would be important here. And that makes a lot of sense. Um, I love what you're doing. I love the grand plans, Leslie, that you put out there a moment ago. Those sound really cool. Being able to get this out there and really help families and others around there. So here's what I want to do. I want to plead to people now that are listening, and and there's got to be a way, Kevin. I, I want to. I, I, we've got to put our thinking cap on here because I want to circle back. I have a feeling over the weeks and months ahead, we're going to find more and more unique people that want to make a difference on the planet, like that we're finding all these great stories that we bring to light. But specifically, people like Leslie and Brittany who have a clear mission, who have a foundation, who have a, a cause to and a reason of action to raise dollars to be able to help others. I want to do something on this platform to be able to constantly showcase and have like our benefactors or people who can 
uh, we can put a spotlight on these organizations like your organization, ladies. So uh, I, I'd like to put a spotlight on these kinds of things that we can remind our listeners and our readers and others that are coming to the brink of greatness to do good. Because, you know, listen, we got 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks. Uh, this is the place to put it. Uh, this is this is where you want to put it. So I want to encourage everybody, please, to to you know do a donation, do a small donation. You can hear the not only the passion, but you can hear the honesty and the authenticity. And you already know, listening to these two ladies, that they're going to squeak out everything they can with those dollars, and they're going to try to help as many people as they can. I mean, you can hear that because they have a vested interest with their children, with their family, right, ladies? Absolutely. You know, we I mean, when Lexi was born, we had no resources like this, and we didn't think that was fair. So we started one. Isn't that where it comes from? See, you didn't think it was fear, so now you've reached out and you're doing it yourself. I mean, it yep. hardly gets any better than that, uh, which is what this thing is all about. Um, I think there's something there, Kevin. We and I know you're a you're a big thinker, uh, Kevin, yourself. But you you know what I'm talking about with these kinds of organizations, like we're speaking about here. Absolutely, I I, I think of. Folks that are good at, uh, you know, getting contributions or even Norma, if there's a way I can reach out to her, who's, uh, you know, finds a way to raise money from multiple causes. Exactly. And maybe we can get her to, you know, get involved or understand and we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, there's something here, ladies. We're just on the verge of some very unique things. But Kevin knows what I'm talking about as well. And I, I like what he just said. Uh, Norma is another lady we had on uh, that uh, uh, on the show, another Brink thinker, that, which went through a horrific life of human trafficking and sex abuse. And her story is over the top uh, through the moon, huh, Kevin? Yeah, uh, it is. I mean, it's you hear that story on the brink here. It's just absolutely amazing. But again, these stories are passionate. I want you to know, Leslie Brittany, that I I am a big fan of yours. I applaud you for everything you're doing. I want to stay in touch with you. Clearly, I want to do some things. I want to help you in any way that I can. And we want to ask everybody now, please, to go to that site, Lexium. We're going to have the website links right on the brinkofgreatness.com and also. At AmericaOutloud.com, our big news site. You can catch it all there as well. The, this, the post, when it goes to podcast, is on both platforms, friends. So you'll see it right there. Ladies, thank you both. Okay, thank you for being on the brink of greatness today and for oh. being so honest and straightforward to get your story out. Yeah? No, thank you. Friends, I mean, it hardly gets better than these kinds of stories where I just applaud Leslie Schneider and Brittany Griffith for what they're doing with their organization, Lexium. And you've seen how they're taking the birth of their children and the life and experience of what they've gone through and applied it to incredible things to help other families. Uh, there's a lot of great things out there going on on our planet. We just need to showcase more and more. Friends, I want to remind you that the brink of greatness can only happen when you're willing to push beyond the boundaries and limitations that are holding you back. What's holding you back, friends? Remember to take the next leap forward.